Hey everybody, I'm Peter, and I will go through great lengths to find an old man in the desert. He's my twin son, it's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, we're excited. This is a guest episode, so... Without first, further, the first of this season. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, this is a person we really like talking to last season, so we decided let's do it again. Please welcome Katie Horn from the Wampa's Lair podcast. You might know her as Hot Poe Dameron on Twitter. What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> Remember that commercial? <laughs> nope. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Remember the uh, the Phantom Menace commercials with like the Taco Bell dog and the KFC Colonel oh, and the Pizza yeah. Hut delivery lady? Uh-huh. <laughs> And then they were all like teaming up to to fight, you know, Star Wars. <laughs> like, <laughs> once once those commercials are known, they can't be unknown. <laughs> the Phantom Menace like media push was it so was great, actually, oh incredibly, yeah. incredibly good. Yeah, um, Katie already brought up that t- we're recording today, which is the Phantom Menace anniversary release date. You're the one who brought that up. Yes, but <laughs> that yeah, the media. The trailers around that, the hype around that, oh my gosh, was so good. Yeah, no, I was 10 at the time, and that hype was just like, it's like seared into my brain. I can remember it so distinctly. I remember standing in the grocery store and looking at like a Pepsi display of Queen Amidala, and I like, I went, I want hair like that, (laughs) and then... (laughs) And then the adult who was with me at the time was all like, um, you know, that's a wig, right? And it, it like it crushed me. I was wow. like, I could not accept that that was a wig, <laughs> that that wasn't oh real. Gosh. Way to crush a child's dreams. <laughs> right? So all you kids out there, her hair is real. Don't believe. Don't believe oh. them. Yeah, Mike Hold on knows to your this. dreams. Mike knows this about my dad, but he weirdly collects beer cans, like thousands oh. and thousands and thousands of beer cans. So during yes. that time, he yep. let us collect the Phantom Menace Pepsi cans. They're I like had Mountain Dew. so many of those. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember trading kids at school for the C-3PO one, yeah. like specifically. Oh. I didn't have the C-3PO I one. On that, but yeah. <laughs> That's so good. It was the perfect. Uh, God, I have so many toy stories about that <laughs> time when toys were coming out. Ugh, oh my God. Hilarious. Yeah. So I, I was obsessed with the three, three quarter inch, you know, Phantom Menace figures, oh, you yeah. know, the ones with the comm chips, right? And oh, so, yeah. Um, I still have those comm chips. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But for serious, I remember playing with them and, um, you know, because I'm like a, you know, 10, 11 year old girl. I'm like, uh, you know, Padme has to be dating somebody, but she couldn't <laughs> date Anakin because he's just this little little kid figure. So in so in my head canon, in my childhood games, she was dating Rick-a-lay, Darth Rick-a-lay. Maul and Dang. Obi-Wan like at the same time. She's dating both of them. Saucy. That's actually a really good love story. I would right. maybe have preferred. <laughs> That's what the big fight at the end is about. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it, well, it actually is because right because Darth yeah, Maul is, is there totally to is. kidnap the queen. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. No, oh, amazing. <laughs> I could do a whole episode about the toys, but um, let's let's. Why don't you guys ready to kind of jump into today's episode? Yeah. Yeah. Katie, you ready? Oh yeah, holocrons of fate. Oh my gosh, I I can't think about this episode without like shaking. <laughs> so good. Uh, all right.
Well, let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode two of season three. Holocrons of fate. <laughs> Tried something new. I like it. Oh, yeah. You got to come up with a line. That's the, that's the new line. All right. Okay. So Kanan, Ezra, and a group of rebel soldiers dock on a cruiser that seems to have been damaged. They board and begin to investigate. A wounded soldier they stumble upon claims that a red blade was the cause of their woes Ooh. and bum, bum, they were forced through interrogation and violence to give up the ghost cruise location. Ezra and Kanan kind of freak out. They contact Hera immediately only to find out that Maul, not a red blade, though he does carry one. So I get why they were confused has already captured them. Kanan and Ezra then agreed to give Maul both the Sith and Jedi holocrons in exchange for the ghost crew's lives Kanan and Ezra returned to the Bendu to retrieve the Sith holocron, where Kanan left it just one episode ago, and the Bendu tests Kanan and Ezra by having them navigate a cave housed by Krichnas, so they have to do this together. Along the way, Kanan teaches Ezra to move among the spiders in peace, not conflict, and they retrieve the Sith holocron. The Bendu then warns the pair that if the Jedi and Sith holocrons are combined, they will be able to grant the wielder immeasurable knowledge, but at a price. Unlimited power. It's going it's to melt your face off is what it's going to do. I mean, you're not wrong. You're going to know everything, but you won't going to have a face. <laughs> Kanan and Ezra then meet with Maul. Kanan rescues the ghost crew while Maul and Ezra combine the holocrons. Kanan interrupts the process, though, at the last moment, as Ezra claims he is seeing something, twin sons, and Maul finds his answer but in the chaos maul escapes equipped with the knowledge that a certain someone still lives while ezra claims he has only seen visions of locations known and unknown to him but he cannot make sense of it kanan reassures him that they will find the answers together bum, bum, bum. that's this episode Dun, 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 dun. Oh, now we got to pay for that. Oh, dang it. I think I made that mistake the last time I was on here with you guys. I started doing the same thing. It cost us $50,000. We, we had to pay for that. You're welcome. And no, we cannot edit it out. It's hey, simple. I, I'm worth it, obviously. Like, yeah. I just. Like, oh, let's bring it back. Hey, Mike. Um, hey, Pete. What's the theme of the episode? Oh, my God. Gosh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> this episode's theme is the burdens of truth. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It sounds mysterious and important. It is, I, right? I kind of thought the, the theme was like the, my salty tears as they stream down <laughs> my face. That's I mean, again, I like yours better, you're not, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> it could be two things. They're one and the same. <laughs> So that's right. Just as the Bendu himself stated, truth has both the ability to liberate and imprison. As okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a little bit of a rant here. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Go off. As indoctrinated thinkers of Western philosophy, oh, this again? <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm getting into it. <laughs> as indoctrinated thinkers of our Western philosophy, we are quick to spout off lines like the truth can set you free and the truth is found when men are free to pursue it. Mm. But we are a society of binaries, right? Of black and white. We don't often weigh both sides or consider the gradations of a matter. Like the Jedi and Sith, we see two contradicting sides and only one path to righteousness. But as the Bendu represents balance, 
He is the third, fourth, and infinite option often found for those who want a more uniting and liberating path. He's in the middle, but not. he's more than just a third option. He kind of represents everything in between. The Bendu himself says that once a secret is known, it cannot become unknown. This line is verbatim to the first line of Anita Bruckner's Look At Me. It's this really good book. Hmm. Um, it is verbatim the first line. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if the show writers took this and want to quote that book, but the rest of her opening paragraph goes like this. Once a secret is known, it cannot become unknown. It can only be forgotten. And in a way that bends time, so long as it is remembered, it will indicate the future. It is wiser in every circumstance to forget to cultivate the art of forgetting to remember is to face the enemy. The truth lies in remembering. Hmm, that's Dang, interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe that was unintentional. Like, wow. So if, yeah, so, so let's assume that the show writers are intentionally like most writers employing like this illusion. So it suggests that the truth can be as imprisoning as it is liberating. For if to remember the truth is to face the enemy, then the truths Ezra and Maul are seeking may be their undoing as much as the fulfillment of their life's pursuits. So I can't help but think of, sorry, I always bring this up, Harry Potter when I am <laughs> contemplating the effects of truth in a fictional narrative. So Harry was shielded for so much of the books, practically six and three quarters of seven books from the truth of his existence. I think you mean five and three fourths. Nope. Oh, good one. Bam. <laughs> and I think you even messed that up. I think I did seven and three fourths. Damn. Seven and three quarters. You're getting real close. Nine okay. and three quarters. Nine it's and nine three quarters. quarters. We all... <laughs> Dang. Wow. We all suck. I just uh, stood back and watched you guys trip all over yeah, yourselves. You were, just watch, you were just watching us <laughs> flounder in the water and not throwing us a life raft. Not at all. <laughs> no, they're, they're the two. I'm just like, you know, flipping my magazine like you guys hear something. You got... <laughs> they hear someone drowning. <laughs> so he, Harry is a walking horcrux, right? This mm -hmm. was, and I, this is not the episode you tuned in for. This was Dumbledore's decision. And though he was not a perfect man, Albus certainly believed that it was best to keep the burdens of truth from Harry so that he could live as close to a normal, unencumbered life as possible. His counterpart, Severus Snape, disagreed and believed that Dumbledore was raising Harry for a pig to the slaughter. Oh. But for better or worse, Dumbledore believed Harry must discover the truth himself and make the decision to die himself. And once Harry learned the truth of his life, well, like Bruckner says, to remember is to face the enemy. And so he does. He walks into the arena with his head held high, but who is to say how things might have gone had Harry known earlier? And in the end, all we have is our choices, just like Ezra and Maul. These two characters have their choices and they make them. Maul seeks the truth and he finds it. The effects of the truth will reveal themselves to us throughout this season. But as we see at the very end, it sets his undoing. The truth begins to drive him mad. We see him go a little bonkers. And he's unfolding and it overtakes him. Ezra is spared from the truth because Kanan is able to guide him back towards the light. But the truth is a complicated matter. And what complicates it here is that Ezra and Maul did not earn it. They sought it through unnatural channels. They did not do the work required to attain it. And in so were not prepared for its burdens. 
I think that this is what is driving Maul mad. Once the truth is known, it cannot be unknown. Mm -hmm. So the truth is dangerous because the truth holds a threat much greater than walkers or Sith because you cannot kill an idea. John Mm -hmm. F. Kennedy, I'm getting towards the end here. This is my big (laughs) rant, said... (laughs) A man may die, nations may rise and fall, but an idea lives on. Ideas have the in, have endurance without death. Luckily for Ezra, he was not burdened with the details of the truth. He caught glimpses of it and images, but not the full thing. So it's safe to assume that what Ezra, had he stayed locked in with the holocrons, may have seen, was hope in the form of Luke Skywalker and perhaps the death of Canaan. Had he discovered this truth too early in his unprepared state of mind, Ezra may have been ruined or ruined everything. Canaan's death is a necessary component to the ghost crew's success and arguably the peaceful upbringing until a certain point of Luke Skywalker. So an ending here it is. We've all heard the paradigms of truth that it will both set you free and that ignorance is bliss. But maybe there are more than two sides. Maybe we have to view the world as the Bendu does. The truth is complicated and it will be known to us, to Ezra and Tamal, only though when we have earned it. So this theme for this episode this week is the burdens of truth. JFK and Harry Potter. That's what you come here for. Yeah, dang, absolutely. Mostly just Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter. (laughs) I don't know. So I remember this episode when it was on, uh, when it first aired, watching it. Do either of you remember? Because I remember being fooled by the Red Blade Inquisitor twist. Mm, I don't really remember if I was fooled. I do remember laughing really hard when Maul just yeets uh, (laughs) Hera out of, you know, the frame. Or, you know, she, they're making that call at the beginning and she's mm-hmm. standing there like trying to tell them with her eyes, hey, nothing, this isn't right. And then you just see Maul's arm just all like, get out of here, move. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Yeah, I don't remember being surprised. I just remember like laughing really hard because I was like, you freaking drama queen, <laughs> Maul. Yeah, totally. He's well, yeah, I remember like because this this would be a good point. The second episode of the season two uh or third, however you count it, um, to introduce, like, who, okay, who's the new Inquisitor? Who's the new big bad this season? And then it turns out to be Maul. I was like, Ooh. As if Maul wasn't half of the poster for this season. Yeah. Like, his face is at least 50% of the poster. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'm a little dense. <laughs> That's okay. I don't remember being surprised by it. I remember liking it. But I don't know if I was ever surprised. Yeah. So there are two interesting things in this phone call that I want to call out. Um, (laughs) So the first thing is, yeah, obviously Maul being a jerk. The second thing is we see the murder wallies on each side. And this is the first time we've seen these droids in uh, Rebels there. They look like Wally with like mean faces on on TV screens. The ones from Clone Wars. Right. They're the ones from Clone Wars. So you know that Maul like took those like. Yeah. happy droids and turn them into murder machines and yeah. that's so on brand for Maul that's I know oh, it's so it, funny to me do you guys remember CP3X 
Um, that sounds familiar. Remind oh, me. Oh my gosh! So CP3X was a protocol droid that Darth oh. Maul found in the trash. Oh, is it the com? Was he from the comics? He was in in the comics, separate from Maul, but his like origins are from like the year two thousand. He appeared in in a couple Darth Maul books where Darth Maul like yeah found this protocol droid in the trash and then was like you know what murder it's gonna be a murder <laughs> bot and gave him like a, the, the passage that I like specifically like to pull about this droid is that he contains 83 concealed weapons that, <laughs> that Darth Maul placed there himself like Jeez. and I'm just like oh my gosh to like to see kind of like a subtle reference to to Maul like taking these droids and you know just giving them new, uh, just murder functions. Mm-hmm. It's just like I didn't care what you were programmed for before. Now you work for me. Now you're a murder machine. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you were a protocol droid. Like seeing something like that in in Rebels, I'm like, okay, totally. I think Filoni knows knows what happened. Yeah, I think this is so <laughs> funny. So yeah, you you mentioned it. These were so their actual name are they the. R.I.C. the Rick Rick 1200 mm. tour guide droids. So they're straight up like <laughs> robot tour guides for Mandalore. That mom was like, here, have a gun. Yeah, know, exactly. Seriously. It's so weird. <laughs> they're just tour guide droids. Darth it, Maul's just like, here, here's your blaster. Put on your mean face. Yeah. Yeah, work for me now. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Like, do you think that like he he knows like Python and Java and he's like 100 percent He's yes. like, okay, that happy face on your TV screen will not do. No nope. like programs his own script that mm. yeah, now you look like a mean guy. <laughs> or maybe he just like outsourced. I would love to see who he hired. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Maybe Kira did that for him. I don't know. He just brought it to like Space Best Buy and like went to the Geek Squad. And he's like, I need them to be more evil. (laughs) He, you know, yeah, he probably, he like planned one trip, like exactly one trip to the strip mall where he went to (laughs) Space Radio Shack. And while they were working on his droids, he went to an outlet store where they gave him his dark side polo shirt that he's wearing. (laughs) Where he was just all like, okay, the vibe I'm going for this season is is evil, cool (laughs) uncle. You know, like he's, you know, Kanan's like, you know, the the stern dad, right? But Maul's the cool uncle who lets Ezra get a tattoo and drink, you know? (laughs) So it's like... Yeah. I That's need what's a, in this season. Exactly. Evil, cool uncle. Exactly. It's like, I, I I need a wardrobe that reflects that. And then the cashier, the lady working at the shop was like, I got just the thing. Yeah. And she pulls out the stack of polo shirts. Another yes. little, there's two other little Easter eggs about these droids. So originally when they were just tour guide droids, they were voiced by Dave Filoni, which is kind <laughs> of cute. And then the other thing is, so the body of these droids are the exact same bodies as the general labor droids. And we saw those in Attack of the Clones when Anakin and Padme pull up to Watto's shop and like being pulled by a rickshaw droid. That's the droid that's pulling them. They just put another head on it to be a tour guide. Nice. Yeah. The, did you say these were Mandalorian? Yeah. Okay, yep. cool. So that's the remnant from when yeah. Maul was ruler of Mandalore. I like how he got kicked yeah. off, but he's like, I'm taking my drink. <laughs> I'm taking all my stuff. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you know, they just they gave him like half an hour to pack. <laughs> yeah. He brought him out in like a brown brown box. Like he just got fired from his office job and they're just stuffed full of droids. Exactly. It's full of droids. And that one portrait of Satine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. 
um, before this, we we got something else interesting because I remember asking last season, what was Yoda's endgame with Malachor? Like, what exactly right, was what? he trying to accomplish? What and we get that? our answer. You're not going to tell me what you did with the Sith holocron, are you? I told you it was safe. But what if there are secrets we can learn from it that'll help us destroy the Sith? Ezra, the secrets in that thing almost destroyed you. I know. But if not to get the Sith holocron, why did Master Yoda send us to Malachor? We asked for a chance to defeat the Sith, and we failed. Uh, um, I'm not convinced by this answer. I hate this answer. <laughs> well, we get the answer from Kanan's perspective. So, sure. I mean, he says that Yoda is very on his face. He saw that all the Sith people would be there, and he got he got a they got a shot to go at him and take out the Sith, and they failed. Um, I think maybe Yoda had some more mystical, deeper subtext to his mission, mm-hmm. but that is what Kanan believes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, again, this is one person's belief on the matter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because I don't think, you know, Yoda being where he is at, you know, in his point of life where he's, you know, encouraging Ezra not to fight, you know, saying wars not make one great. I don't think he would have sent them there to kill people to you know destroy the sith you know kill all these inquisitors and whatever mm-hmm. especially if yoda like knew that maul was there i don't think he was all like yeah you know what you should do as you should just go kill darth maul that's that's the next step in your journey mm-hmm. you know i i don't buy it Kanan's. yeah that's one of the reasons it seemed weird is like yeah. just seemed out of character for him to be like mm-hmm. all right go to the planet and get in a fist fight bro <laughs> You guys see you see that MMA fight? <laughs> Take him down, bro. That's okay. That's probably the, my best impression I've done so far. It's the best Yoda impression I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, this is a little I couldn't really make any deeper connection to it because I bet this was shocking when it came out. Um but, you know, we've done this for so long. But as we fast forward a little bit, Maul is kind of interrogating Hera mm-hmm. and he drops Kanan's real name, Caleb Doom. Yeah. For, first, first time ever. Yep. He does the Kylo Ren mind reading thing. Yeah. Where it's just all like, I'm a really powerful dark side dude, so I can hear everything in your head. Congratulations. Yeah. You, you played it, yourself. <laughs> And my headcanon, especially the way that they do it, I always just pictured that they're not actually reading minds. They're yeah. s- they're using the force to squeeze their brain. Ugh. And they're just like, ow, that hurts. Okay, I'll tell you. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Like wringing up <laughs> your brain with a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's actually what's happening, but that's yeah. what goes through my head every time I see it, like in Force Awakens. Hmm. Yeah, Kylo Ren's yeah. like looking really intensely at Poe Dameron's face and Poe Dameron's yeah. just all like, stop it. I'm not a squeegee. Yeah, you see his eyes bulging out? That's definitely a brain squeezing. <laughs> um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I think that was probably a big surprise to people. I don't... Do mm-hmm. you know if the if the comic, the Kanan comic came out before or after this episode? Came out way before. It came out first, first season, first season of Rebels. Cool, cool, cool. Alright, then so it was known for comic readers, yeah. but... It wasn't a big thing out there if you weren't diving deep into the EU. So I bet, you know, some people in there are like, oh my gosh, what's blah, 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 and let them down kind of a cool path. Yeah. Or or potentially just confuse the casual fan. <laughs> yeah, that too. Especially because, like, Maul says it with such gravitas. You're like, ooh, is this going to come up later? Is it, is Maul going to use that information? No, Maul just is just flexing, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> just... totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't know. 
what I mean, this is a little bit of interesting tidbit. I don't know if there's anything more to this, but we find out that Hera convinced Kanan to bring on Ezra because Kanan was reluctant, as we know. And mom Hera was there to kind of guide the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? Now that you said that, I think actually you first hear Caleb Dune's name in uh, the books in A New, a New Dawn. I yeah. think that was before okay, the fair. comics in the first place you hear I it. I couldn't remember if his name came up in that book or not. I think it does. I think that's the first place you hear that. Yeah, I've mentioned that I haven't read that book. So the first time I heard it was the comic. So that yeah, makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's a fine book. I, I, <laughs> it's fine. I, I, I would say just read like the plot points and go, mm. hmm, that's interesting. I would love it as a, like a Rebels short movie. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be pretty cool. I wanted to I wanted to point out. Yeah. Only because anytime Dune references are brought, brought up. I'm, oh, I'm so excited. glad you saw this because oh. I, I added in my notes. OK, well, I, have you read Dune? No, I'm I'm starting it now, but I know it's like your favorite book ever. OK, I was like, well, how have we not talked about how much how cool <laughs> Dune is? Yeah, just read like the first three books and then stop. I keep like trying to read it at 1130 at night when I'm half tired no, and I, get, I like read book. the first page and I'm like, there are so many nonsense words. And then I put it down. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But they, they say the word thumper in it, which is like how you call the sandworms. And I get the mm-hmm. thumper is how you get the cricknas away from you. Yeah. They have like the reverse effect in this show, which is yeah. neat. And it's cool that they reference Dune because, you know, that's all Lucas was doing anyways. Yeah, that was a purposeful choice by Dave Filoni and Co. Mm-hmm. That is specifically a Dune reference exactly because of what you said, Dune being such a influence on George Lucas. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought you'd you'd like that. I did like it. I did yeah. like it. I'm very excited for the Dune movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, That'd be gosh. cool. Um, they are. So that brings us to the Bendu's lair. Before we get there, though, I mean, do you have any general thoughts about just Maul's plan? The you know, trying to smush the holocrons together, kind of like you're trying to make two toys kiss. Um, <laughs> He's like, this one's me and this one's Padme. <laughs> <laughs> this will reveal the truth. Exactly. That was so good. Uh, I don't know. I like his plan. It's very mall, you know, that he would know that you know that that this thing can be done mm-hmm. and then just be all like oh i'm gonna do it yeah like unspeakable knowledge melting faces off whatever just go for it <laughs> yeah like it's um he you know he learned a lot from sidious and we know that sidious was always you know looking for secret dark side things and exploring mm-hmm. stuff that wasn't necessarily his to take i mean that's how maul sorry that's how sidious came across maul to begin with, you know, yeah. and to take him as his apprentice because Sidious went to Dathomir to learn all the Night Sister ways and their, you know, spooky secrets, whatever. So, um, so yeah, I could see Maul being very much like Sidious in that way, where it's just all like, oh, here's this incredibly powerful thing that will definitely blow up in my face. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I keep going back and forth about, you know, is this cool lore that mm. the Holocrons can do this or mm. is it? just like weird retconning like they're just like yeah it's kind of like the force like oh, how did that work uh the force uh how do you how what are we gonna do with this? uh holocron switch them together it tells the future somehow okay <laughs> like um 
but I think I'm leaning more toward the it being cool lore. Um, I like yeah. the idea that these kind of like Jedi and Sith CD-ROMs have like deeper mystical properties. So, you know, we've seen them like unlock special things in temples. Yeah, I find holocrons just as a concept fascinating. Yeah. Um, I play Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you play a Jedi counselor, you actually get to like make your own holocron you know, as part of the story and they, they impress upon you that, yeah, it's not just like a recording of your voice, a recording of data. You are like imprinting your spirit upon it. And that's just, you know, that gets real fascinating real quick. Yeah. And then, yeah, just this idea that, you know, the Sith have stored this immense, you know, knowledge in their holocrons. Um, you know, of course, again, not just data, but their spirits imprinted upon it. And then when you take it and then merge it with, you know, the spirit of, a, of the Jedi, you know, you, you do get this like blinding white clash mm-hmm. and it's like, is this, you know, I, I am so fascinated, especially, you know, when we get to the end of the episode and, you know, the Bendu's like, don't let this thing happen. You know, you can't let them be united. And I'm like, but I thought you were the guy in the middle. Shouldn't yeah. we want these two things to be united? And it's just, yeah, this incredibly awesome thing that is maybe not necessarily good or bad that, you know, this knowledge, you know, this, I don't know. Yeah. I just find it fascinating. I have no answers. It's just really cool. I think it's cool too. And I think it's starting to lay some of that groundwork we've been talking about a lot, especially in before we've seen rise of Skywalker about, Mm -hmm. you know, the quote unquote gray Jedi, the Living right. between the light and the dark, you know. Yeah, the Bendu, the Bogan, and yeah. what was the other one? Uh, Ashla. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also gonna take this as you know when you smush the light and the dark side holocrons together, it turns into a blinding white light, mm-hmm. which shows Ray's gonna have a white lightsaber. Ooh. <sighs> I don't care as long as it's a double bladed lightsaber. I literally <laughs> don't care what color it is. <laughs> As long as it's double bladed, like saber staff, Darth Maul yeah. style. I think it. that would be really cool. And it makes sense yes. for a character. I also feel like they probably won't do it. Uh, they need to. The saga needs to end where it began. OK, with yeah. awesome double bladed lightsabers. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, yeah. And I also didn't do I should have done this research, but I remember the first time ever hearing about holocrons was in the Knights of the Old Republic game, mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. one which I'm stoked that that game that you're playing, the MMORPG is still around. Oh I yeah, it's still going. Game. People oh don't God. know. <laughs> people like people are like, oh, I want Knights of the Old Republic. I hope the Ryan Johnson series is Knights of the Old Republic. We need Old Republic content. Yeah. And I'm like, there's still new Old Republic content coming out to this day. <laughs> what are you guys doing? I was... <laughs> There were few fewer things I were more excited for than that game. I remember just watching like every mm-hmm. like a countdown clock, just waiting for that game to come out, and yeah. I really loved it. But then it just fell off as I got too busy. Yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we are talking to, about the Bendu. Right. W- one funny thing I like is that like when Kanan gave the Bendu the holocron, and he kind of like disappeared it like a magic trick. I was like, oh my god, he's so mystical. It's like. I will keep this safe. And he like put it into like another dimension. No, he just hit it in a nest of spiders. <laughs> right. know, that was a terrible hiding spot. Nobody, well, I don't know who wants to climb into a nest of spiders. Let's be real. Nobody, yeah. you know, Darth Plagueis himself could be outside that cave and I'm like, oh, I'm not going in there. Nah, pass. Yeah. it ain't worth it. <laughs> I, I like to imagine too. He didn't even use the force to put it in there. He like got on his hands and knees, like it was a crawl space, and like was like belly crawling and just like put it under there. 
Um, but yeah, I thought that was a funny thing. Um, but it looks like he's setting up this teaching teachable moment, which is good curriculum. Um, for Kanan and Ezra to work together to get the holocron. Always two there are. Yeah, it's it's nice. I think it, you know, I think he had this plan mostly because he like wanted to sleep and he's grumpy. If yeah, you remember too. in the last episode, he's like, <laughs> Kanan Jarrus, your soul is a tumultuous <laughs> storm on this planet. Like I feel like he's just like God, he's making too much noise. All right, I'll I'll fix their their relationship so that he'll shut the hell up. Yeah, exactly. He'll stop bugging me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this was a cute moment. I, I I liked this touching moment that um, you know, Kane and, and Ezra get a little bit of resolve. Um, some of the subtext I maybe didn't pick up on until just now was, you know, Ezra tells Kanan to stay out. He's Which like, is no, is, I'm doing this myself. It's so frustrating. The second that happened, I mean, I think it was an intentionally frustrating moment because it's like when Yoda tells Luke to leave his weapons and Luke is just like, F you and takes his yeah, weapon. No, yeah, totally. It's, it's exactly that moment because the Bendu says, but you have to do it together. And then Ezra goes, <laughs> OK, but I'm do, I'm going alone. And you're like, yeah, you OK, but what do you idiot. know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. No, it was definitely frustrating. I think the motivation um, and Henry Gilroy said this in Rebels uh, Recon afterwards, too, um, because Ezra still feels at fault for Kanan's blindness and what happened on Malachor. He's just so paralyzed with fear about Kanan getting more harm. So the reason he's saying that is, you know, he doesn't trust his master that he won't get hurt again. And he thinks that it'll be his fault again. So he's like, fine, you stay here. You be safe. I'll take care of it. I don't care. Just don't get hurt. Ah, that's weird. I don't buy that. That's, that doesn't, it, I feel like it doesn't play like that in the show. Well, I don't know. Cause Kanan has to expressly tell him it's not your fault and give Ezra that closure and that absolution, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I got that too. Cause I think, you know, when Kanan does enter the cave and is, you know, he is the one in charge. He's the one who actually knows what's going on. Ezra doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Ezra gives him this look that I think has more subtext than just like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I've been a jerk this whole time. Like, I can't believe I doubted my master like that. Like he's he will be fine. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I was just I just think it's not that they have to do it together. That's not the point. Like, that's what the Bendu says, but it's not true. It's that he needs Kanan. It's nothing about together. It's yeah, Kanan could do this totally. by himself. It's not even a together thing. It's an Ezra. You need to. You need to let him in. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yep. I think in that way, I really like how this moment parallels how Ezra and Maul got the Colocron, you know, oh, by, yeah, by working totally. together in the temple. I love that moment. I'm just, um, I'm drawn to that moment like again and again when when Maul and Ezra have to lift the stones and trust each other to get to the other side. Yeah, it's that's a, a cool, yeah, cool it's compelling. contraption. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm just remembering those big slabs and how cool that is. Right. <laughs> oh, those slabs. <laughs> but um, they have a cute little hug, a cute little moment. Um Ezra does learn to trust Kanan and walk with a little more peace and not freak out the Krikna, which is kind of a cute moment. About what happened, I'm sorry for it. For everything, Kanan. It wasn't your fault. 
I never blamed you, Ezra. It's time for you to forgive yourself. Yes, Master. I also like that uh, Kanan steals his weapon and Bendu asks why and says he must learn to solve his problems without relying on his weapon. So I think we are starting to see some real growth in this episode Mm. from the last episode, even when we just go full on Dark Ezra and he'll he'll vacillate back and forth. But, you know, he's starting to mature. He's starting to grow. I think that's what makes the Bendu so interesting to me um, is moments like that where it's clear he's not an omniscient being but he is also still learning the fact yeah. that he asks genuinely ask Kanan why and it it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like he's prompting him to think about what he's doing he's asking because he wants to genuinely know why Kanan is doing that mm-hmm. it's so cool and interesting that the Bendu is like an evolving character as well yeah. uh, he's really cool yeah that's a good point so they get the holocron and they blast off on their <laughs> A-wing. Oh, A-wing. Oh, at first I thought this was just like they just like squished together in a regular A-wing and like or like Ezra was sitting on his lap, but it turns out this is a training A-wing. That's why there are two seats. I huh. love that. I love A-wing. I love anything about <laughs> A-wings. So when I saw this, yeah. I was super pumped. That was pretty cool. I also like, she's like, I need your fastest ship. My mom's in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go rescue my mom. (laughs) Um, Another moment I like this is Ezra's really cool and very sensitive blind burn where (laughs) Kanan's like, I forgot the exact verbiage, but Kanan says like, all right, you have to relax. And he's like, I am relaxed. Like, you don't feel relaxed. He goes, well, I look relaxed. (laughs) And you can't tell because you're blind, you jerk. (laughs) Oh, did you guys notice that the base that Maul is using here is the one from Son of Dathomir? Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice continuity here. Yeah, it's very cool. It's like an asteroid belt. I thought mm-hmm. the design of this base was very cool. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's kind of fun. So, like, it, this implies to me that this is kind of like his home. And he just hadn't yeah. been there for a really long time while he's trapped on Malachor. Because you see he goes back and he gets his old ship back. This is the same ship he had in Clone Wars. Yeah, um, I I don't know if it's necessarily his home. I just think Maul uses the resources at his disposal, like at all times he yeah. does. Like if he has something, he's going to use it. That's how he builds armies from nothing. You yeah, know, he, that's true. He's always yeah, he's always knocked down like so low and as absolutely nothing. And then a year later, he has Crimson Dawn. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I think his home, if he's going to consider anything like I don't know a personal space, like a home space, it would be Dasimir. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I guess I was just actually like functionally trying to figure out like where he parked his ship. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so he gets a he gets a TIE fighter, flies off Malachor. Like, where does he go to get his polo shirt? <laughs> Space <laughs> Best Buy. We told you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, Ted still has my ship. I need to go to Ted's house. Uh, he probably just like, like seriously just stole all this stuff you know what i mean like he ran you know it's like oh there's a passing ship all their stuff is mine now (laughs) totally totally totally. just killed them all took all their stuff (laughs) yep um so now that we are on the base i want to talk about something controversial so kanan gets sucked into space yeah and he is just gd fine (laughs) (laughs) According, according to Pablo, 
use that. You're just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I know it's like a cartoon and it's not like you could be like, for people who are upset about the Leia thing and last Jedi, you can't just be like, well, I mean, on Rebels, they blah, 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 blah. But, you know, uh, Pablo Hidalgo actually addressed this in the question and answer for next week for Rebel Recon um, because people were like, you should have been done in space. And so, quote from Pablo Hidalgo. Star Wars has never been overly concerned with being scientifically accurate. Right? So. Oh my gosh. Also, like, he's one with the Force. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the Force willed it. Okay. Yeah. Also, Pablo says, I, I read this as well, that recent research suggests that you could actually survive in space up to 90 seconds, but it would be really bad. And Kanan was in space for less than 20 seconds. And I feel like... It was a nice primer for when Leia did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so, Leia's fine. She's yeah. fine. She's fine. Yeah, totally. I am 100% okay with space Mary Poppins. Yeah, same, same. The other thing I like to bring up to people who talk about this is you have no problem with the space worm scene in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> right. Because you really think that little plastic tube that's not attached <laughs> to anything, it's flopping around because it <laughs> fell off of Han Solo's disconnected like belt and like George Lucas is like, it'll do. <laughs> like you think that little plastic mask is going to keep him from not getting sucked into space when he walks out on an asteroid? It's fake and in space, you guys. It's fake and in space. So that is my point. That's the end of my rant. It just makes me upset when people get nitpicky about stuff like that. But Caden got sucked into space, dick moved by Maul, and everyone is okay. I love, I like, I like all moments. Maul is like, Ezra, you and I, <laughs> we're cool. We're cool, Ezra. I like you, Ezra. Mm-hmm. I really like you, Ezra. I'm going to murder all your friends, though. <laughs> Like, what's his end game here, too? Because, yeah, so he sucks out Kanan, which obviously he he obviously wants to turn Ezra still. Right. That's not that's very clear. They they back that up. The creators have said that in Rebels Recon and stuff as well, that he still thinks Ezra will turn and be his apprentice. So his end game is I'm going to suck your teacher out into space yeah. and then walk over and be like, he whispers to the murder wallies, yeah. I kill the droid or yeah. kill his friends. And then he thinks like Ezra's going to be like, well, I mean, that was mean, but I did <laughs> just see the truth in this white light. So yeah, I'll join up with you. Maul's just going to be like, I don't know what happened. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I told him to set yeah. the droids free to set the prisoners free and they killed them all. I don't know. <laughs> just like shrugging his shoulders. I I mean, in all seriousness, this though i think maul is just like man these are the only people like holding ezra back and as long mm-hmm. as he has these influences in his life he's not gonna come join me and more than that maul is has been very much shaped by the sith code and the sith ways he's, he has you know disavowed his sith name discarded the title darth but at the same time, you know, always two there are no more, no less. He doesn't have room for anyone else. And he's like, he's chosen Ezra. And it's like, you're going to be my apprentice. And it's just going to be you and me against the world, buddy. Mm-hmm. So that means all these other people got to die. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it certainly could have pushed him to the dark side, but yeah. I think oh, yeah. it would have pushed him to the dark side against Maul. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's not again, a planner. That's that's the Sith way, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? You're kind of supposed to hate your master. You're not yeah. supposed to be his best friend. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little a little touch that I like is you notice that one of the Wally murder bots has um, has a broken screen. 
Now, right, where Sabine, yeah. Yeah, Sabine kicked him in the head and oh, broke his screen. <laughs> that's something random that I appreciated was that, you know, so of course our Rebels heroes, our ghost crew, those are, you know, the heroes of the story and you want to see them fight tooth and nail and, you know, oh, they're of course they're going to come up with some clever plan to get out of this scrape, right? They do it every week. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate that, yeah, they, they put their plan in motion, but then Maul utterly wastes them. It's just like, no, you <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm Darth Maul. I'm not some <laughs> random inquisitor. I'm Darth frickin' Maul. Yeah, I and thought he that just was a sweet move. Decimates them. It, I thought that was really good. I kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciated it. It was kind of like seeing, you know, Ezra try to go up against Darth Vader because yeah. Ezra's like, I can take him. No, I can't. <laughs> Well, I liked it a little bit more, too, because, you know, when Ezra went up against Darth Vader, like it shows a lot of guts, but it's like, yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked. Don't even try. Yeah, exactly. This was kind of nice because it did show like really good resourcefulness on the crew, why they're so good. Like, this is a good plan. (laughs) They're plucky. They're the plucky heroes going up against Darth Maul. (laughs) They just underestimated how much of a badass Darth Maul is. Oh, 100%. So I think it's, it's, I don't, I don't. You know, good effort on both sides. <laughs> That's what I appreciated about that moment. Um, so we get to the holocron smushing. Yes. To make him kiss. Oh, my gosh. But no, what? Like, this is what broke me about this episode was Ezra being all like, I want to destroy the Sith. And yeah. Maul's like, good for you, buddy. Good luck with that. <laughs> what are you looking for? And then Maul just says, hope yeah oh that destroyed me like i can't handle it i doubt that you comprehend the power that is within your grasp i know if we open these holocrons together any question we ask will be answered so you do understand well my apprentice what is your question you know what i want i want to destroy the sith you are as ambitious as ever. As for me, I seek something much simpler, yet equally elusive. What's that? Hope. It's interesting to think what hope means to someone like Maul. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, yeah, that's really beautiful. And then you really think through the implications of what he wants to see and what he is hoping to see. Yeah. And he wants to murder an old man in the desert. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that, you I mean, know, he's, he's I not, heard... he's not wrong, though. Like, true. Yeah. <laughs> he was murdered. I mean, he's from everything yeah. we know about Maul. It's uh-huh. uh, this is the, who his character is. Right. Yeah. So it is, no. it's 100 percent hope. And like morality isn't attached to hope. Right. Hope is just whatever you want yeah. it to be. Yeah, I I don't think when he says hope, I heard a lot of people saying like, oh, he wants hope that Obi-Wan Kenobi is alive so he can go kill him. And I'm like, I don't I don't think that's it, chief. (laughs) I don't think, (laughs) you know, when Maul builds up Crimson Dawn. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. is he doing that so that he can, I don't know, fight figure out if Kenobi is alive and possibly trace down Kenobi? No, he's not building all these things because of Kenobi, you know, everything that happens post order 66 has nothing to do with Kenobi. I don't I don't think, you know, for Maul, it's mm-hmm. it's always, you know, about Sidious and killing his master because that's what every Sith does. Right. You're supposed to kill your master and take what he has. And so, you know, Maul has these ideas of what, you know, it's finally going to take to be able to destroy Vader and Sidious 
you know, and he thought Malachor was it, you know, that was the ultimate weapon. And he says like, Oh, I will use this to have vengeance on all my enemies. And I'm like, he ain't talking about Kenobi, (laughs) you know, Kenobi's, Kenobi's dead. As far as Maul knows, you know, he's talking about the Sith empire. And so when he is going into this holocron looking for hope, I think what he's looking for is, yeah, kind of what, the the rebellion is looking for you know hope is a very important word in star wars and it's very much tied to the rebellion and so what maul wants is the destruction of lord sidious and and you know his empire to fall i mean Mm. maul wants that for very different reasons and he's willing to go about it in very bad ways but i think it's significant that he used the word hope you know the word that leia uses you know totally i I do think i mean just based on Maul's arc and what mm-hmm. we see of his motivations, especially if you look at the comics or the books, he mm-hmm. is in the beginning when Sidious found him, he was mm-hmm. kind of just a bloodthirsty, ravenous like creature almost. He's, he has had barely any humanity and what he was seeking in the moment was a worthy opponent. And mm-hmm. in the comics, I mean, even when Sidious says, don't go hunt Jedi, I need to train you. Maul disobeys and he goes and he hunts Jedi, Jedi Padwans. He looks for mm-hmm. anything. He looks for even beasts and large creatures that could test his skill. Yeah. So to me, and I think about like him pacing in front of the doors where Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, it's like that animalistic creature, like that person he is there feels like he met he met his match in Kenobi and Mm. Kenobi won. And I think that haunts Maul. And I think the hope for him is, I do think it is Kenobi because he, for the first time ever was bested and he wants that rematch. Um, Just based on where he came from and what he was, I think everything, I think hope for him is the worthy opponent um, and having that showdown. um, I think it is. Yeah, I don't know. I I do Mm -hmm. believe that's like the culminating event of his life is, wow, I was bested finally. And his arc ends and begins with Kenobi. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, it it was important for Maul to come back to Kenobi eventually because, you know, there's so much unresolved there. But I feel like, yeah, when he saw it in the holocron that Kenobi was alive, that was like a hard left turn for Maul, where it's just all like, you know, he is kind of wandering around and he lacks purpose and direction in this moment. That was something Dave Filoni said about, you know, about the season for Maul in particular, where what he lacks right now is purpose. And then as soon as he finds out that Kenobi is alive, it's like that's the focus of his rage where it's all like, well, here's something I can do. You know, there's a target. He, you know, he finally he has that target. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of like what you were saying before. Once a truth is known, it can't be unknown. And so how is he supposed to do anything else with his life? No. Once he knows that Kenobi is alive. You know, he can't let that go and think about other things. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Yeah. I think his hope then becomes his, I think redemption for Mm -hmm. Maul in his eyes, the way he finds peace and is redeemed is by being the best and defeating his enemy. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even when we see him on the trash planet, like for the first time again in close clone wars, he's he's obsessing over Kenobi, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
I think his heart's desires were kind of pushed down after a while and he had these things distracting him crimson dawn or being a sure the, but i don't think there was any fulfillment there i think this is just mm. it was like well i guess this is what i do now and then the I second like Hobie, kenobi was there the hope for his redemption is restored yeah well i feel like I I struggle to believe that Maul anytime after Order 66, you know, uh, up until he gets this revelation in the holocron, I struggle to accept that Maul would be thinking about Kenobi and getting revenge on Kenobi specifically because he ends the lawless um that episode of the Clone Wars saying that he never intended to kill Kenobi. He just wants Kenobi to suffer. And you know, so after killing Satine, he's like, "Well, that's it." Now I've taken this from you and now you have to live with this pain for the rest of your life. And I am super happy about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't, I, I never really thought that Maul cared that Kenobi got away because it's all like, I, he can't bring Satine back to life, you yeah. know? And then that's also why Maul like kept that portrait of Satine and desecrated it. You know, he paints it red, you know, like, yeah, you know, I, he, he like builds this, you know, altar to his ultimate revenge against Kenobi. But then, you know, him being so directionless at this particular point in his life finds out that, oh, Kenobi's alive. I'll just go kill him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and I think that plays towards that line, because I think the great thing about him saying, I never wanted to kill Kenobi. I wanted him to suffer. I mm -hmm. think he's lying because in that moment he thinks Kenobi is dead. So, of course, he's going to bluff mm -hmm. and uh, like puff his chest and be like, well, I didn't want to kill him. I, I'm okay with someone else <laughs> killing him. I just wanted him to suffer. So someone else did it. I don't care. But the second he finds out he's alive is like he, his true motivation is immediately unveiled. It's like mm. when you can't have something, you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't really want it anyways. It's okay if you have it. <laughs> but the second it becomes possible, he pivots so hard. And I think he undercuts his state in that moment. I think mm -hmm. it's clear that what he said before, he was totally just lying to save face. It's like, mm. I do want it. Yeah, I think I read I read it. I think you're both right mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Um, I read it kind of in between. And I mentioned this when we talked about Twilight, Twilight of the Apprentice. I think, you know, Katie, you're right that after all this stuff, Mandalore and Crimson Dawn, I think those were his plays at, you know, ultimate power and toppling the Sith. Like, mm. he was probably mad at you know, Obi-Wan wanted him to suffer. But at that point, he's just like, you know what? Like I have bigger fish to fry. I'm a badass. I'm Darth Maul. I should be the <laughs> Sith Lord in charge of everything. So I'm going to do all these resourcefulness things. But when we meet him on Malachor, he's, he is weaker. He's a little more frail. He's older. Uh, I think he's, uh, a I mean, he's bit. also lying to Ezra. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. it takes him half an hour yeah. to go from, Oh, I'm so uh, weak yeah. to yeah. JK, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> he's, to he's, he's totally just playing him. Yeah. Well, I'm getting that from Dave Filoni. He said that in rebels recon for okay. that is that he's an older, he's, he is not, he is not the old Darth Maul. That's completely <laughs> on his but game. Not as old, Darth Maul, not as old the ripe old yeah. age of 43, yeah. I think is how old he is. Everybody's like, oh, he's so old now. And I'm yeah. like, he is 43. Checks watch, 43. I'm not <laughs> saying he's as old and frail as he pretends to be when he's the old master. But I am saying that, you know, I think after Malachor, once that blew up in his face, that mm -hmm. plan goes away. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't have 
any more armies I can build. I don't have any more super weapons. I just need to face the facts that I'm not going to be able to get to Sidious. I had yeah. my shot and I missed it. So now what can I do? Well, I do hate this Obi-Wan Kenobi guy. Let's go <laughs> see if I can F him up. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, his it, that wasn't his end goal. I think it does end at Obi-Wan, oh, begin and end at Obi-Wan. But mm. I don't think the in-between part was it. That was his focus. I think once everything kind of blew up in his face and he kind of realizes that he's not the Sith Lord he used to be. Then he's just like, well, I'm going to get what I can get. And that's going to, you know, take this guy out who bested me and, you know, did all these bad things. Okay. To me. Yeah. 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 He's having he's having his midlife crisis. Oh, <laughs> baby life crisis. <laughs> My son. I love him so much. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Darth Maul, I'm your mother now, okay? Come here. And I just like wrap him in a blanket, give him a cocoa. <laughs> oh, can you imagine the little baby Darth Maul? Uh, yes. <laughs> but he has the same exact face as Ray Park. Yeah. He's just baby size. <laughs> um, so we haven't talked yet about the specific vision or Kanan being able to see through the light, being mm. unblinded by the light. Um, But... What did how did you read this in the moment um, when or let me ask you, because I think you mentioned it a little bit in your in your theme, Mike, what would Ezra have seen in the holocron if he didn't turn away? I don't know. I think we could speculate and there's no right answer. I think what's important is that he didn't see it because whatever it was going to be. He was either not going to be ready for or it was going to ruin what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it matters what it was. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I know that's a really vague answer. I don't don't think it matters what it was, but whatever it was going to be was going to be irrevocably damaging. It just, you know, it's like that Mm -hmm. whole metaphor of standing on the shoulders of geniuses, right? You're propping yourself up. He was using the holocrons or tools to gain false wisdom from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you're right that it doesn't matter, you know, in the end game, um, what he would have seen, but I do like speculating because I think it is interesting. He did see the twin sons and he says, I don't know if this is what like remnants of what Maul was seeing or what my thing was. And so I think that indicates and it's kind of interesting that he probably would have seen very similar vision to Maul and it would have landed somewhere on Luke, which would have been ultimately pretty unsatisfying to him because I think in Ezra's mind, he's like, I want the secret to destroying the Sith. And he thinks it's like some weapon or some ancient mystical staff. He yeah. uses that like deflects force light. Like, <laughs> but like it turns out it's this 10 year old kid in the desert and he's like, damn it. And I think that would have ruined him. I think yeah. had he seen a vision of the actual hope he would have felt like disembodied from the like their plight he would have been he would have turned aimless well it's not me and he Mm -hmm. would have given he would have become a directionless like rebel he's like well this is maybe not my fight this is for someone else but his role is critical um but just because he's not the person who fires the torpedo that ends the you know the empire it doesn't mean he's not like a, you know, I think it could have un- yeah, under underwhelmed him. Oh, I'm not the one who does this. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's why it's interesting thematically exactly for those reasons. I don't know if you had any thoughts about the vision, Katie. 
I do. They are radically different and it might be a little <laughs> weird. No, but I like it. Weird is good. So, you know, Ezra goes into this holocron looking for a way to destroy the Sith, you know, mm-hmm. like, like that's a very, I don't know. That's pretty dark, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then yes, Maul is, comes it into dark. it. It is yeah. really dark. And Maul says he's going to go into it looking for hope, which is fascinating to me because, you know, Ezra's the one opening the Jedi holocron and Maul's the one opening the Sith holocron. But they're coming at it from very, you know, I think Ezra's coming at it from the dark side angle and Maul is coming at it from the light side angle and, you know, meeting in, in the middle. And um, So when when you ask that question, how do we destroy the Sith? You know, yeah, Ezra's probably thinking, like you said, some magical staff. And I think we (laughs) think of, you know, oh, we think of Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. You know, we when you're like, how do I destroy the Sith? I don't think there is a a a noun, you know, to to be the answer. You know what I mean? The answer is this thing, this one thing. You know what I mean? The way Luke destroys the Sith is with compassion you know? Mm, yeah. And so when Ezra looks into that holocron and, and, you know, if, if they had given him like the answer, you know, capital T, capital A, the answer, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been Luke Skywalker. It would have been compassion. You know what I mean? Just the concept, that raw concept of compassion and, you know, and Maul looking for hope, that raw concept of these things. And, you know, I don't know if we as, humans can necessarily contain that concept. You know, it, it would have just like ripped him apart. You know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to become a vessel of like pure, you know, that, that knowledge isn't binary. You know what I mean? You can't quantify it with words and numbers the way, you know, we quantify things inside our heads. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this, this concept in flooding through Ezra in words, you know, that, that aren't words, you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like that could just, it would just mess you up and you would just, you know, I think it would have, yeah, killed him basically, you know, like ripped him off, ripped him up and he wouldn't have been able to, you know, be a person anymore. Does that make any sense at all? No, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking, I was kind of, it, what you were saying is kind of reframing how I'm thinking about it now, Mm. because I think the, what you've, you said it, in the beginning is absolutely right. They they have fundamental different approaches. It's almost like a semantics game, but the way mm-hmm. they are, the way they are approaching the holocrons, like Maul is coming at it from an angle of hope and Ezra is coming at it from an angle of destruction. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the morality that's attached to those, mm-hmm. their approach to them is so fundamentally different that Maul succeeds because you know, for better or worse, his, he's coming at it from this angle of I'm looking for hope for this, whatever, you know, for this lost part of my life. And mm-hmm. Ezra's coming at it from, I want to destroy something. Had they had that switched, you know, we, in that, you know, we would have thought that's how it should have been. Maul's like, I'm looking to destroy something. And Ezra's, I'm looking for hope. They might have, Maul might not have received the answer and Ezra had. So maybe it was, the framing of their question and their state of mind as they entered it that got them different results. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you were talking before about, you know, knowledge, knowledge that you didn't earn it, it it weighs on you differently and you can't carry it the same way you carry knowledge that you earned forcing compassion 
on Ezra, forcing him to feel compassion for the Sith and for his enemies, you know, for the Empire, the Empire that killed his parents and destroyed his planet, you know, or is destroying his planet, you know, um, forcing him to feel that compassion, I think would have torn him up. He wouldn't have been able to handle that. You know, Luke earns his compassion for Darth Vader, you know, and he has to fight for it, honestly, because he almost loses it. Right. Luke almost loses that compassion for Vader, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and Luke, yeah, he has to earn it for himself. And when he does it, it's certain and it's good and it's enough to redeem Vader, you know, enough to make Vader remember that he is Anakin Skywalker. And then the same for Maul, Maul hope You know what I mean? Hope isn't something that someone can give you. And that's what he's looking for. He's like somebody I there's, you know, been no hope in his life. His life is just so utterly void of hope that he's all like, well, I can only get it if someone gives it to me. But, you know, he has to give it to himself. And so for him looking into that holocron, if if he had, you know, if both he and Ezra had found the answers that they sought, you know, and it just been like dumped into them, I think the same thing would have happened to Maul where he just would have been torn up, you know, like this, this hope that he didn't earn just being like forced inside of him also would have just like wrecked him and he wouldn't have survived. Mm. That's, I love that reading. That's fascinating. Yeah, no, I think that's great. (laughs) I also, though, I'm wondering, too, like what the actual visual he would have seen was like, is it just like a Smucker's commercial where like, <laughs> like a girl like falls on a rollerblade and skins her knees and a mom like comes with like a toast and some jam and is like, it's OK, honey. And then they hug. And then Maul just starts like crying yeah. and then he foams at the mouth and falls over like, you know, because he couldn't handle it. Like, yeah. oh, yep. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Cool. So I think on that note, does anyone else have any other notes or thoughts about the episode? before we close it out uh did you guys i'm just curious did you guys have any like wild theories after darth maul you know was like stumbling away going like he lives because there were some wild theories at the time (laughs) (laughs) i think i mean i think i figured pretty pretty easily that it was going to be kenobi but i don't remember the theories yeah let me know what what were some of the weird ones uh my favorite was savage oppress my, that was my favorite theory because yeah yeah some people were like oh it must be savage oppress because you know that's that's you know that would tie into maul being like oh i hope my brother is alive you know mm. and he's just gonna go find his brother and i was like that'd be wild like yeah. just do it <laughs> just well, stuff like that i yeah. guess i already i saw that as i guess that makes sense because for me it you know, I I always thought that the vision was one and the same. So when mm. Ezra saw the twin sons, I was like, OK, I put that together. That's probably what. Yeah. Maul was looking for. So it's probably Kenobi. But I guess if you didn't make that connection, because, you know, Kenobi, or Maul never says anything about Tatooine or twin sons. He just says, like, he's alive. So I guess uh, I, I could see that it's not as ridiculous on his face as I first thought. But it is pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I keep I think. When I was watching, it's kind of how I'm watching Resistance right now, which that show got a lot better in light mm. of the very last episode. Oh, because you turned. Mm-hmm. All right. I didn't turn. I hated, not hated, sorry. I hated <laughs> way too strong words. Sounds like a turn. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't understand or like the show up until the very last episode because I didn't understand any of the motivation of Kaz, the main character. I'm like, but why is he right? He's like just doing good to do good. It's like, I don't... I don't get it. He's like not There's no complications to his character. And he like has rich parents. He's very pure in <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah. I agree. And I was like, I don't get it. But then the last episode, I was like, man, this should have happened so much earlier. 
but I guess I was watching it anyways, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I don't know. So, but as I'm watching that show, I keep thinking about how these characters are going to potentially intertwine with movies in the future or can certain characters. Mm. But to me, none of these characters in resistance get in the way of any plot lines so they can exist simultaneously. But with rebels, these are characters of major consequence. They intertwine with massive characters. Um, and I keep thinking they need, we need to somehow deal with them to then meet um, a new hope or rogue one. Like these movies that are right here. So with Maul, I was like, they have to get rid of him somehow. There's no mm -hmm. way they're going to keep him alive mm -hmm. in a New Hope era, right? Like, they have to deal with that. And I, th I, th I think I was thinking, okay, this is a perfect way they're going to bring back Kenobi. And to me, it was that. And I'm surprised that K Ezra potentially still exists in the universe. Right? <laughs> like, that is so shocking to me. Um. And I still don't believe it because as of now, Ezra lives while Luke is living. Like, I don't know. It's wild. And I really want to know what's going on. But yeah, because yeah. Ezra is DJ. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. On that note, I'm done. I'm closing that episode. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, Bye. I'm further in now. <laughs> That is so offensive. We all know Ezra Snoke. Uh, yeah, he always was. We yep. didn't know. Yep. Cool. So how we like to end the episodes is by having a fun little grading scale, which you are familiar with, but it is still silly. So we like to compare our favorite thing in Star Wars and least favorite thing in Star Wars to an A and an F and then put this somewhere in between. Mike, would you like to give us an example of that? Sure. So, on a scale of uh, my l current least favorite thing in Star Wars is just in general the 1997 re-releases. Um, oh, right. Yep. Just mm -hmm. kind of everything about what they added. So, I actually kind of like them. So, different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about that, but you do you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not... I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm I fully support anyone liking what they like and I'll never yeah. I'll never crap on people's um this is a weird metaphor I'm going to ditch it. Um <laughs> so on a scale of the 1997 releases in general to the final battle between Maul and Obi-Wan which is mm. pinnacle Star Wars for me. Um I give this episode aptly a first time we meet Maul as he's jumping out of the uh, cruiser and engages with Qui-Gon Jinn, which is a solid A, I think. I think this is one of the... This is just such a solid Rebels episode. It it sets Ooh. the stage, it introduces, uh, uh, like a, it opens a new narrative that needs to be closed, just like Maul appearing in Phantom Menace. Um, and it just, oh man... It sets the stage for the whole season for me. Nice. Yeah. I like that. What about you? What about you, Pete? What's your grading scale? My favorite thing in Star Wars right now is Ray pulling the lightsaber out of the snow and away from Kylo Ren. Oh, uh, I remember just the loud applause. I, I teared up a little bit. Uh, such a great moment in the theater. 
But my least favorite thing is anything C-3PO has done, except for in the original trilogy, <laughs> literally anything he's ever done in anything other than the original trilogy. Um, between that scale, I give this episode Wicked the Ewok eating Leia's protein bar Aww. in Return of the Jedi. So A+. plus. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I would say, yeah, it's like a B plus for me. What? I mean, it's it's really good. I think the honestly, the the spider thing just kind of like dragged it down for me a little bit. Oh, we didn't, um, I didn't get to talk about that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the spider thing, you no, can go I just want to know what later. they're all doing clumped up in the middle there. It looked like spider mating. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK. It's an A plus now because of spider mating. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just thought it bogged down a little bit in the middle, but I thought thematically it's a great episode, like seeing Maul, um, and it, it opened up some really cool kind of mystical questions, which, you know, I like the force mysticism stuff. Katie, how about you? Okay, so uh, obviously my favorite thing in Phantom Menace right now, or in Star Wars right now, is the Phantom Menace. <laughs> I thought you were going to say my favorite thing in the Phantom Menace is the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Men- no, that's accurate, though. My favorite thing in the Phantom Menace is the Phantom Menace, so that's 10. Okay, perfect. And my least favorite thing in the Phantom Menace is not having any Phantom Menace, so that's the scale. <laughs> we have zero Phantom Menace to full Phantom Menace. And, uh, I would say I'm gonna give the correct this- answer. so uh this episode yeah this episode is definitely full phantom menace like i'm at like peak hype here but it's not quite so there's like full phantom menace and then there's extended phantom menace where like the pod race is longer (laughs) you know what i mean like that yeah and it's it's like cgi yoda instead of puppet yoda we're at like puppet yoda phantom menace levels where i get to watch the whole movie but it's like it doesn't have that extra cherry on top you know what i mean like for for me you know, out of out of Rebels, um, the mall content in Rebels is um, that that is like that full extended Phantom Menace experience for me is going to be like, yeah, Twilight of the Apprentice, uh, Twin Suns, uh, Visions and Voices. Uh, those episodes are like peak for me. This one, though, still excellent, still amazing. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely like watching, you know, the whole Phantom Menace. So I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I like that answer. I feel like I should have worn my Japor snippet for this episode. Yes, it'll bring you good fortune. Well, I think we had plenty of good fortune with this episode. (laughs) So why don't we close it out? Katie, can you please tell people what you are up to right now, where they can find you on the Internet, things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Poe Hot Dameron. Pretty good times over there. Um, (laughs) Oh, what's really cool. My pinch tweet right now is um, the audio recording of my um, Darth Maul panel at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Yeah. That's fun. Did you guys know that I did a panel there? I didn't. That's really cool. I will absolutely check that out. That's really cool. Oh, it's great. Yeah. No, it was excellent. Um, Yeah. The panel is just, it's a wild ride. I get to just go off about how much I love Darth Maul for like 45 minutes. It's highly (laughs) recommend. It's peak Katie. Um, uh, You guys can also uh, listen to me on the Wampas Lair every week. That's Wampas Lair pod. Cast. I think we're just at Wampas Lair on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, we're just at Wampas Lair. And then if you um, want to find us on iTunes, you can find uh, just search Wampas Lair podcast. And yeah, it's a real good time. We keep weekly Star Wars podcast. We just going off about Star Wars. And that's that's, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm up to. Oh, 
That's great. That's really cool. I'm, I'm really bummed I missed uh, celebration this year, but I'm looking forward to Anaheim. Yeah, I'll be there. Nice. I think I'm going to make this one happen. It'll be my first one. So <gasps> I'm really excited. Yes. Yeah. So Mike, where can our ravenous fans find us? Oh, uh, pretty much everywhere. And by that, I mean two or three places, Instagram <laughs> and Twitter at rebels, rebels pod. You can email the show at rebels, rebels pod at gmail.com. And uh, stay tuned for some new pins potentially coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, remember, until next time, to be brave out there. And don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.